day. What about these family? They are just like the Holy Family. They're experiencing the same persecution. Engaging. Jesus wants to be with us. I always think of that as at the heart of the Eucharist. Live. A mystery then of the Rosary allows us to see a teaching of the Church, but to be able to go deeper within that teaching. Welcome everyone to Real Presence Live here on a fantastic Wednesday morning. My name is Tim Moser, your host today, coming at you from the Fargo Studios, looking at a great, great, beautiful day ahead of us. I hope that it's a beautiful day where you're at as well. Of course, we're all beautiful. Halfway through May. Isn't that amazing? Halfway through this beautiful month of May in honor of our blessed mother. Well, we have a great show for you today. Um, but as always, we begin with a prayer in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Merciful and loving God, we praise and give you thanks and honor today, Lord. Lord, as we continue through this glorious spring, Lord, as we continue to hear in your word as we go to daily mass through the lives of Saul and Barnabas and how they go through their missionary journeys, Lord, help us to understand that just as they were set apart, we have been set apart as well for a very special mission. Help us daily to turn to you to ask for guidance for that mission. Help us to love. Help us to listen. Help us to be the sons and daughters, husbands, fathers, wives, sisters and brothers you call us to be. Help us to always be your light in a world that needs it so much. We ask you to bless our guests, to bless Real Presence Radio and all the Catholic apostolates as we pray to together in honor of our Blessed Mother for her intercession. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Mary, Queen of love and life, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Welcome again to Real Presence Live. My name is Tim Moser. Looking through the window at a guy in the Shanley t-shirt. Aaron Breen. Aaron, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Tim. How are you? Great. You're one of the thousands and thousands of Shanley alums. Yeah, that's right. So I have a question for you now. Did, did you think about when you put that shirt on, was it intentional or was it just the t-shirt on the top of the pile this morning? It was kind of intentional. It was. Okay, good. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'm intentional. Sometimes it was the one at the top of the pile, right? Now right. you go. <laughs> right. Cool. Well, Aaron, why don't you preview our show today for our listeners? Absolutely. We do have a great lineup in, for you this morning. We know that God created the earth and gave gave us the land to care for. But what happens when we try to do things on our own? In this first hour, Paul Heiberger, who is actually coming up here, will seek to answer this question. Also, we will have Father Kyle Metzger of the Diocese of Fargo taking your questions about the faith during straight talk. He's very easy to talk to and very knowledgeable about the faith. Please call in with your questions, whatever you may have on your heart. Then in the second hour, we look forward to hearing about two cousins whose creativity and independence sparked a new project they're working on together. We'll talk with John and David Stockman and how they started a new project and we'll preview an upcoming conference. Also, we know there's a special bond between a mother and a child, but what does that bond truly look like? We'll talk with Emily Leadham, the Director of Marriage and Family and Respect Life in the Diocese of Sioux Falls, on how the mother and child grow closer together. All this 
coming up on Real Presence Live. Right back to you, Tim. Hey, thanks so much. I appreciate that. All right. Well, that sounds like a great, great show. So let's get into it. We are having our first guest. We're joining him, Paul Heiberger. Paul, welcome to Real Presence Live. Good morning. Wow, so good to hear you. So, Paul, tell, tell us, where, where are you coming to us from today? Where do you live? Okay, I live uh, on a farm uh, northwest of Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Yeah, I tell you, South Dakota, beautiful country down there. My wife and I, we drive down to see our daughter in Denver. And uh, I tell you what, we, we said if there were, North Dakota's wonderful. We love it. But, you know, there's certain aspects about South Dakota, especially when we might be, uh, say, uh, 10 below in Fargo. And, you know, down there in Sioux Falls, you might be 15 or 20 above. We kind of go, yeah, you know, <laughs> might not be too bad. Or, or probably even better, when we're still down in the 20s and teens and you guys are in the 50s, right? You know, that's nice. But anyway, that's great. I, I grew up on a farm myself, Paul, so that's great. But tell us a little bit about the beauty of farm life and uh, and how it's affected you and your faith. Okay. Well, uh, farm life has given me uh, a connection with, with God, um, you know, through the soil and, and through the livestock that I take care of. And uh, really just, just how these... Uh, mainly in the animals, how, you know, they need to be nurtured and taken care of. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's true uh, with animals and people as well. So it's, it's easy to, on a very uh, simple basis, you know, connect with uh, baby calves and baby pigs or, or uh, something that's hurt, and then uh, and to grow that and bring that to people, you know, because it's, it's such a simple thing. And, you know, really farming is, is all about life, everything that we do, we're trying to, Grow life out of the soil and, and create new new life in in, in the, the way God has given us. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. That's that's so true. You know, I I love that analogy to life, uh, Paul, because obviously. You know everything. You know God created life in, in all in all its forms, right? And I, I can't help but think about uh, being stewards of the land again. Being from a farm myself, you know we, you know the farm. I should ask you this, Paul is. Are you like on a family farm that that you've had for generations, or is it something that you just bought? Tell us a little bit about the history of your farm. Okay, so the the background is my father was raised on a farm mm-hmm. in the thirties and, and forties, and things were tough back then. And then so he he actually went to town and got a job, and then uh, um, he moved us out back out to the country in uh, nineteen seventy three, and and I was about ten years old. Mm-hmm. And so then I wasn't from the farm, so it was probably different for me than for others. And okay. just, just to to learn how to farm kind of by myself in, in ways, you know, uh, making a lot of mistakes. And uh, so yeah, kind of learning to live with those. And so it was real, it was a uphill struggle at at times, but it's, it's, it's been a quite a blessing especially as i get older and started realizing at first is more of a business attitude but as i get older i've been really coming to the realization of of, you know what we're doing out here and and maybe more so of what it is that we we should be doing more so um just the connectivity with with the land and the animals and god is just you know slowing down enough to, to do that as i get older and so 
my my farm is a livestock farm and and uh, I have six children and uh in in that uh they got a lot of good stuff mm-hmm. from being on the farm they got to work with their hands and it's fun to sit around and listen to them they got lots of stories they're all they're all in college or or out of college and starting families now of their own but it's fun to hear some of their uh stories when they're younger about oh the hard day's work that we did and things like that so it, it i think it drew them close to the soil even though none are are here farming with me now they, they they're either married to someone who's going to farm or really are are there there's three of them in the medical field mm-hmm. and so i think it's just that nurturing aspect maybe came through to them Exactly. No, that that's true. We're talking with Paul Heiberger here about the beauty of of farming and how it influences our faith. You know, I've heard it said in you know many times, and I think it's true that you know the biggest gamblers in the world are farmers. And of course, that's from a secular point of view. Maybe we would say it takes a lot of faith and trust in God in any area of our life. But I think it's especially true in farming because there's so much on the line every year. You're putting literally thousands and thousands of dollars of your money into the ground or into these livestock, hoping and praying that God will give you a return on that. Talk to us about how, how your faith enters into that, Paul. Well, Tim, that is so true. Um, when when you're farming, it, it's, I don't know how you farm without God, because mm-hmm. it's, you, you're just going out there and you have to just trust. And, and I know that if you don't have that trust, things can be very nerve-wracking, especially in a year like this. Uh, so much uh, anxiety out here because we're so far behind in our planting and it's, you know, rain coming and it's, it's just in talking it's, with people, it's like, well, you just, you just have to trust that this, this is the Lord's will. He controls everything. Right. So mm-hmm. it, it, this is, this is just what you have to do, but you're, you're correct. And it's like every, we get so much money wrapped up into farm ground and livestock and trusting from day to day that we'll have grass for the cattle or in a drought or a flood or, you know, um, just just in our farming practices and things like that, how, you know, it is trying to take care of the soil, but not always doing, not always accomplishing, and then there's this struggle, and that's like, you know, you want to do, but then you get caught up in that of like, okay, but I can make more money doing this over here. So there's always that struggle, which is true for no matter what job you have of, well, long-term and short-term things that farmers have to make all these decisions, you know, about finances, about short-term finances, what's best for the land, what's best for your family, what's best for people long-term, you know, chemicals that we use. It's just, there's, it's just can be overwhelming if you, if you let it be, but if you, if you're just still in trust in the Lord in these times and they get anxious, it's just like, okay, he's got a handle on this. It's, it's not like we're going to starve. We just have to trust that this is his will, you know? And mm-hmm. so that, that makes uh, a great difference in my life when, when I get anxious. And like I say, as I, as I get older, it's, it's um, I see that more clearly. I don't get quite as anxious as I used to. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate it. We're talking with Paul Heiberger from South Dakota about the beauty of farming and, and faith in God. You know, a couple of things come to mind when you say that, Paul, you know, talked about the anxiety and stress and f- certainly we, everyone feels 
a, some level of that in their lives. I've heard, you know, in the last 10, 15 years, the farming community, you know, there's farmer suicide rates are up, all this kind of stuff. And you talk about that. That's key because of the stress, because of the anxiety. But when we trust in God, realize that we're stewards of this land, even though you quote unquote own the land, you know that God owns everything. You've said that. And that's such a great point, Paul. And also that God calls us to be faithful, not successful. Be faithful, and, and the success will come from that. That takes a lot of faith, but I, I appreciate you, you doing that, Paul. Let's let's dig a little deeper into your family. You talked about how your kids have, you know, they're out of the house, either in college or past college. W- what type of legacy do you hope they take with them, and what kind of things can we learn uh, about our faith in God from farming and the farm life, Paul? Well, I, I think farm life will teach you you patient. Mm-hmm. Um, which is such a good virtue, you know, to have with, with other people and even with yourself or, mm-hmm. or, or in our dealings with the Lord. It's like we always want it right now, you know. So <laughs> you got patience that that crop will come or, you know, okay, calving time or, or this all this. Patience is a big thing, I think, that um, you, can, you can get from farming, you know. And a, a closeness to the land, it, it just... Um, it seems like the more dirt you get under your fingernails, and I, I, people in town are the same way. Uh, you know, when you start gardening and things like that, you just you just feel this more closeness to God. You see the the wonderful fruits that that grow in your own little garden, or out in the field where we do things in a much bigger way. You know, or in that baby calf that's born and is running around bucking and kicking when he's just a couple hours old, and it's just it's just the the miracle that that life is really it's just it's it's and it's the, the the great part about it is you never you really never get tired of seeing that if you slow down enough to, to look at it and say wow isn't you know, that it's 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 just uh it's just amazing i love this time here because all these baby calves and when we used to have pigs uh it's just the and just, just birth and new life is exciting on the farm, and and whether you're maybe if you're a cropper, it's, it's that it's that good uh, crop of corn or beans or wheat or whatever mm-hmm. it is that you do that that um, you know you grow it, you grow it for the Lord, and if it if it if it doesn't come about, um, you just have to be patient and say, well, there's always next year. I mean, there's many years, and this could be one where you're just not going to have a crop or a very small crop because. It's in the hands of the Lord, you know. So, so true. Great points. We're talking with Paul Heiberger about the beauty of farm life and the faith it brings. You know, I just before we started the show today, Brandon uh, came in and uh, showed me a video he just took this morning. It was great. He lives out uh, in in a rural area, and uh, he had a video first of the chickens, then the rooster crows, and he pans over to the right, and you can see the sun just coming through the trees. He said it was actually shining on his boots, and so you see this idea of a new day, new life. One of the things that farming really does, it really gives us the, the seasons, doesn't? Every day is important. The seasons, you know, fall winter, spring, summer, the idea of the crops growing. We see this cycle of life in everything we do, and I think that really brings it home to us. At least it did for me in farming. Yes, absolutely. The changing of the seasons is uh, it's, it's just so... I, I love living up in the north because we do have a changing of the seasons. Mm-hmm. It's, all, it's always that new, the, you know, the harvest and, and the Oh, the, the, you know, you talk about 20 below zero weather. Well, it's all hunkering down for that or, or preparing your cattle for that, getting them to the right spot out of the wind and making sure they got feed for that day or another day with the storm coming. It's just 
all these different changes that that um, that the weather brings. And the beauty of spring right now, of course, everybody loves spring. I'm standing here, and the birds are singing around me, and I'm in the pasture, and it's just, you know, it's, it's just quite a blessing to be able to to actually receive that. Is this hey this sunshine which we needed so badly? You know, it's just mm-hmm. like it's. It's beautiful, yes. Exactly. I'm sitting there thinking that people pay good money, Paul, to, to get to an environment like you and I lived in every day on the farm. Isn't that something? The peace, the quiet, the tranquility, the closeness to God, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> just, it's just, you're just able to get so close to God out in the country for me. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, I, I just love being out in it and and um, enjoying it, you know. I just there's my favorite thing to do is, is uh, to go check cows in the pasture. We, we do... Uh, rotational grazing you know and uh it's just fun to go out there and now the they're, they're the, the birds are nesting there's duck eggs everywhere and pheasant and the new grass and the baby calves and you can just be out there and it's so quiet and it's just like you'd really feel there's a closeness to the lord in that and it's just like you know that's that's i hope that's something that everybody can have at some point in their their life or have that understanding of what that's like you know the quietness of of the the solitude and 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 the prayer that you can have, because everything is so quiet when you're out there. Just, I mean, it's not a said prayer, it's just in your heart. You know? mm-hmm. Yep, I love it. That's great. Well, Paul, we want to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day here in the morning to really help us to appreciate farming and faith. And I really think whether people are farmers or not, they can take a new appreciation to the simple things that God gives us and the trust we can have in God and the beauty that he gives us each and every day. Paul, thank you so much. Amen to that. All right. That's Paul Heiberger. Thank you so much, Paul. Appreciate it. Coming up next in a few minutes, it's time for Straight Talk with Father Kyle Metzger. Do you have a question for him you want answered related to the faith or things happening in the world around us? He wants you to call in and ask him a question. Plus, we'll hear from David and John Stockman about the goodness of homeschooling and how their creativity sparked a new project. Stay tuned to Real Presence Live. We'll be back right after this. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Hey everybody, Steve Splunskowski here with Real Presence Radio. I wanted to thank so many of you for calling in during our spring live drive. We had a great show of support for this work of evangelization, so thank you to so many of our brothers and sisters who called in and pledged. We had a goal of 550000 and we did raise 505000 so we're a little short, and we are going to need your help because of some equipment failures we've had in the past six months. So if you weren't around last week, please consider giving a gift now at 877-795-0122. And we thank you so much for your loving support. God bless you. It's fun to to think about when I listen to like Catholic Answers Live, for example. Always amazed whenever I hear callers call in and go, you know, I'm not Catholic, yeah. but yet I'm listening to Catholic radio. And I just think to myself, what is it, of all the choices that they could be listening to, uh-huh. what is it about that program that draws them in, even when their own beliefs are challenged by what they may be hearing on that program? You know, especially like when you talk about pro-life and, you know, that's like, Hey, we want people who are who are not pro-life call in. It's just like, really, you can make a program. Like, there's people out there listening to a program <laughs> about pro-life, and and they're going to call right. in and say, "I'm not pro-life, and this is why." So I can't help but think, you know, how many people is it reaching that you never knew? You know, I don't know who directly who I'm helping, but I trust that God is going to turn it on and at the right point, at the right time, on that radio, the right person's going to hear it. And in some way, shape, or form, I was part of that.
We all appreciate the comforting things in life. Great food, laughter, celebrating mass together, and friendships. Here at Riverview, we have all those things and more. Hi, I'm Carrie Dew, Executive Director. With Senior Independent Living Apartments and our Crosshaven neighborhood for those seniors who need a little more assistance, it is the sense of community here that makes Riverview home to all of us. Contact me, Carrie Dew, or Kelly Brecky for a tour at 701-237-4700 or online at homeishere.org. You're listening to the RPR Network. Now back to more Real Presence Live. Welcome back, everyone, to Real Presence Live. My name is Tim Mosier, your host today, coming at you from the Fargo studios. I'd like to thank Paul Heiberger, last segment, uh, talking to us about the beauty of farming. Oh, I tell you what, I grew up as a farm boy and uh, brought back some great memories. There is a lot of trust that goes on, a lot of trust, and of course, in all areas of our lives. But you're so close, and you're bringing forth new life, whether it's a plant life or animal life or raising your kids. It's, you know, it's amazing. So thank you, Paul, for, for doing this. I appreciate that. Well, we got a few minutes here at 9.30. I want to remind you that we're going to be talking with Father Kyle Metzger. He'll be here for half an hour answering your questions in a segment we call Straight Talk. And he's a great guy. You'll love him. He's very, very animated, very, very knowledgeable. So please get your questions ready. Anything about the faith that you want to talk about for Father Kyle Metzger in just a few minutes. I want to talk for just uh, a couple minutes here about what I call my pivotal paragraphs in the Catechism. The Catechism of the Catholic Church, it's, it's amazing, right? I mean, there's so many great things. And really, I suppose you could say every paragraph is pivotal, but I like to pick out a few that kind of are in touch with what's happening in the world today. Two things I want to bring our attention to. You've probably heard about these. Something called the Equality Act that is being put before the federal government. Now, it sounds like a great thing. The Equality Act. Everyone should be equal. Okay? The problem with it is, is it allows people to actually self-identify as things that go against objective truth, the objective truth of the human person. For instance, it would allow someone to self-identify, for instance, even though they're biologically a male, they could self-identify as a female and then have access to female locker rooms, female bathrooms, etc., etc. Now, of course, you look at that and you think, oh, that's, that's kind of crazy. But this is where we've come in our society. And in the next few minutes, I'm going to tell you how I think that's happened. It's, it's quite simple, actually. But if you just have a snapshot of it, it doesn't make sense. I'm going to give you the big picture, the overall picture of that. And I'm going to go to, and, and also then the other thing I want to tie it into is what's happening in the abortion uh, industry right now. Right now, we have, for instance, I just read in the register yesterday that Connecticut just passed a law, the legislature passed the law, the governor still hasn't signed it, that basically allows abortion anything, anytime, any reason through all nine months. And they even want to enshrine it now in their state constitution that abortion is a fundamental right. When it says something's a fundamental right, now that means it is the highest priority. It shouldn't even be questioned anymore. That's where they're going. Now, contrast that with what's happening in Alabama. Alabama is passing, again, the governor's the last to sign it, but I think will, the most restrictive abortion law. Anytime there's a heartbeat, an abortion would be illegal. And the doctor could be charged with a felony. So how have we gotten to this place? Well, let's go to paragraph 369. It says this, Man and woman are created, which is to say, willed by God, on one hand, in perfect equality as human persons. So notice, we're perfectly equal as human persons. 
We see that, for instance, in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, all right? God created man in his image and likeness. Male and female, he created them. Genesis 2, we hear that Adam says, this one is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, meaning she's of equal dignity, but different. Getting back to the catechism. Then on one hand, imperfect equality as human persons. On the other hand, they're respective beings as man and woman. So on the one hand, we're equal in dignity, the catechism says. On the other hand, we're distinct and separate as male and female. And this is what we've lost. Three points. Number one, male and female. We've forgotten what that means. We've forgotten what it means. Number two, who am I? How should I live? If we don't know who we are as a child of God, we don't know how to live. If I don't know who I am as a volleyball coach, I don't know how to coach the team. If Father Metzger doesn't know who he is as a priest, he doesn't know how to live, how to act that out. If Aaron Breen doesn't know who he is as a husband and father and son, he does not know how to live. Despite our best intentions, if we do not answer that first question truthfully, honestly, we do not know how to live. And that's what's happened to our culture. And finally, number three, we can't separate love and life. Okay, so let's get busy with it. What are we talking about? Okay, how did we get to the point? Let's talk about the Equality Act first. How did we get to the point where we are considering the United States to allow people to self-identify as male or female? In other words, we think that freedom now is the able to be the ability to define for ourselves whether or not we're male or female. John Paul II had a lot of things to say about this. He said freedom, he says, negates itself and even turns inward on itself when it fails to recognize objective truth. Now, love and life are created. I want to go back. How do I think all this stuff started? Basically, it started with the contraceptive mentality. Pope John Paul II writes about this in Evangelium Vitae. He says, a lot of times the church is criticized on a stance of contraception because the world now, the culture, thinks that contraception is going to decrease the number of abortions. However, he says, the temptation to abort is especially strong where the church is teaching on contraception is denied. We've seen it happen in the United States, not just in the churches who all fell from 1930 up until this day. Most every church accepts contraception now but also in our government. Let me just lay on you just a little string of Supreme Court cases. In 1965, by the way, up until 1965, contraception was illegal in the United States, passed by Protestant legislatures in the 19th century. That's right. Protestants also said no to contraception. But in 1965, we invented a right to privacy, the Supreme Court did. And it was a right to marital privacy that married persons cannot use contraception. But only seven years later, under the concept of equal protection, we now extended that right to non-married couples because the non-married couple says, hey, you know, if married couples can contracept, why don't we? And the court said, yeah, go ahead. And they said, this is the quote, if the right to privacy means anything, it's the right of a couple Notice it's a couple. Notice it's still male and female at this point. <laughs> to choose to bear or beget a child. Notice now, beget a child, I get that. That's the contraception. But notice it says to even bear a child. Well, now we're talking about life. Notice how love and life, contraceptive mentality, and our ability to choose life are linked closely together. One year later, we have Roe versus Wade. And 
Justice Blackman goes so far as to say, we do not need to resolve the question as to when life begins. What? (laughs) We don't? Fast forward 20 years. Another Supreme Court case. What's happening here? It's looking back, reviewing Roe versus Wade. What What does the Supreme Court say? We need abortion since we have contraceptives. Because for 20 years, people have relied on the availability of abortion if their contraception should fail. And they even went so far as to say, now get this, if the right to liberty means anything, it means the right to define for oneself. Notice, we don't discover the truth of the human person. Define for ourselves what? The meaning of life, the mystery of life, and the meaning of the universe. Now, of course, Vatican II has some great things to say about this. Gaudium et Spes, for instance, says, it's only in the light of the mystery of the Word made flesh that the mystery of man becomes clear. We don't define our meaning. We look to Jesus Christ for our meaning. And we, so we go on. So what's happened? We've accepted contraception for married couples, contraception for unmarried couples, abortion. Now we need abortion since we have, um, contra- since we have uh, contraception. You see? Justice Scalia, in further cases, Lawrence, for instance, in 2003, it legalized sodomy. He says, if we're not prepared to say that this one sterile act is, is, should not be done, he says, we're not going to have anything in place to prevent, for instance, same-sex marriage when it comes. Twelve years later, we have same-sex marriage. And now we're going on to the idea of self-defining who we are as male and female. What's the point? We have forgotten who we are as male and female, made in the image and likeness of God. In our effort for quote-unquote equality, what have we done? We have blurred the lines. We have equality without distinction, which of course, objectively, is wrong. (laughs) It can never be a harmonious society when we do that. It's just like saying, I'm going to make my own driving laws. I'm going to make my own basketball rules. We have cultural chaos. What's the solution? Come back to the teaching of the church. God defines who we are. God defined marriage in the marital act and the meaning of life. They go together. That is our way to true health and true happiness. So, there we go. The battle lines are drawn on this abortion issue too. I think it'll go to Supreme Court. But more than a a Supreme Court ruling, let's change hearts and minds. Let's be loving towards all so that love and life may really, really be upheld in our country. And now, get ready for it. Here it is. Those tones are telling us something. It's time for Straight Talk. That's right. One half hour, 30 minutes of your questions and your comments. We have in studio, Father Kyle Metzger. Welcome, Father. Oh, good to be here, Tim. Good to be here. (laughs) The poor guy. He was just going to take a little drink of water. I know. He throws me on the spot. I'm here, ready to go. (laughs) I love it. I love it. So, Father Kyle Metzger, of course, he was uh, the parochial vicar at at my parish, uh, St. San Androcum. Was that? One year or two years? Oh, I had two years there. Nice. It, two it, years. It seemed like just a few weeks. It, went, it was wonderful. Went by in a flash. And now, of course, you are the vocations director uh, of I, the diocese. I am the vocations director. I'm responsible for all the seminarians of the diocese. So uh, uh, helping young men who uh, are considering the call. And then once they have uh, responded with a hearty yes, I see them through their uh, their many years of seminary formation. Wonderful. Also, I have something to do with the formation of permanent deacons too, I believe. Exactly. Exactly. Um, those uh, men who uh, 
who will assist at parishes with the different ministries and whatnot. I help uh, oversee a lot of their formation with uh, alongside Monsignor Slushleman. Great, in Fargo. great. So he's ready for your questions. So please give him a call at 877-795-0122. That's 877-795-0122. We can also get to us on Facebook. We already have a question on Facebook, Father. It says this, we have a catechesis of the Good Shepherd in Proctor at St. Rose. That's their parish. But my question is this. What mainstream matters should parents entirely shield their children from? So she's talking about, you know, what what are the dangers there? Yeah. What mainstream matters should parents entirely shield their children from? It's an interesting spin on the question. We usually ask, what do we need to inform our our children about? Mm -hmm. This is what to shield them from. Mm You know, what comes to mind initially with that question, and maybe this comes from my background as a, as a school teacher before I was a priest, is, is when we're talking to our children about uh, perhaps delicate issues, mm-hmm. it's always important that it's always age appropriate. Mm-hmm. It's age appropriate. And you can deal with, you know, some, some difficult, uh, uh, complicated issues so long as it's age appropriate. I think of issues you know, such as violence, maybe issues of, of a sexual nature. When you're working with young kids, you have to make sure that it's adapted to age appropriate. I'll give you an example. Um, uh, uh, I was making my way uh, around the school when I was a, a parochial vicar. We had a, a K-8 school at the school that I was working with, and it was it was the memorial of St. Maria Goretti. Mm-hmm. And if you know anything about Maria Goretti, a very pious young girl who was who was the victim of, of, of an attempted rape, and the rapist... Um, murdered her. Now, when I'm speaking to the middle school students about St. Maria Gretti, that's in a very different way than I'm speaking to the first or second graders. I mean, you really have to consider like nightmares, right? (laughs) And you don't want the priest to be the instigator of these (laughs) nightmares. And so, you know, the the middle schoolers can, can, can handle the the, the, the complexity and, and, the, and the reality of the details of the event. But when you're, when you're dealing with, with younger children, you really have to be sensitive and you don't want to upset their, their, their innocence in that. So you would present on, on St. Maria that somebody wanted to injure her. Mm-hmm. Somebody wanted to be very cruel to her, very mean to her. And, uh, and, and, and she wasn't happy with that and she wanted to pray for him. She wanted him to be good too. You're you're not deceiving them, but you're you're shielding them from from uh, from an assault of their innocence. And as they get older, and their mind then expands to be able to understand some of the the more nuances of the issue, then certainly you can do that. So, what what should they in, should parents entirely shield their children from? Nothing comes to mind immediately, so long as it's always age appropriate. It's always age appropriate to what that child will be able to to properly process and internalize. That makes sense. We're talking with Father Kyle Metzger here on Straight Talk. That, that, that makes so much sense, Father. You know, in this day and age, I, I can see parents going, oh my goodness, you know, because there's social media, there's all these kind of things. You know, right. m- m- maybe maybe let's turn to that. Again, I, I'm yeah. assuming we're going to use the, the the overall principle of age appropriate, but maybe talk a little bit about social media. What are your thoughts? I mean, because should parents expose them to it at all? Should they totally shield them? Do they have, have controls? What, what, what are your thoughts on that. I saw a lot of the effect of social media in the classroom. Mm-hmm. The kids really are exposed to stuff at such a younger age. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk in 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 the, in the culture now about bullying. I mean, I think there's always been bullying in schools, but is it taking on a greater intensity? Maybe may, may being more vicious. It's quite possible. And 
and perhaps social media is fueling some of that. So it's it's getting more difficult for parents to to maybe shield and protect their kids than mm-hmm. maybe in in generations past. I think therefore it's 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 very appropriate not for parents just to kind of cave, shrug their shoulders and say, well, it is what it is. We can't do anything about it. I think that's a little fatalistic. Mm-hmm. I think you got to put boundaries. You got to put, you got to put safeguards in. I think uh, in this day and age to give a, a teenager a mobile phone um, indiscriminately with no restrictions is reckless. Mm-hmm. I think it really is reckless. And I saw the, the fallout of that in the classroom. Um, that 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 can be the the the, the instrument that's going to create so much vice in the in the child's uh, uh, future and the, their present as well. So I think limits on time mm-hmm. that can be spent. I think bedtimes are really important. That 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 all that technology needs to be removed from the child's room. Mm-hmm. That phone needs to be left with the parents. It need uh, something. Um, and even just psychological studies of like sleep patterns and study habits are are, are very helpful to us, but certainly of a, of a spiritual nature of their virtue. Um, restrictions. Um, parents should be monitoring that. I, I think it, it's good now that the the, the 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 present generation of parents grew up with a lot of this technology, so maybe they're a little bit more prepared for it, of being able to monitor the phone, of putting restrictions on it, passwords. Um, and I think, thanks be to God, the the technology the, the the technology industry is recognizing some mm-hmm. of this. And I think, to their credit, they are putting some of these these benefits in the phone. And the new operating systems on on, on some of the leading mobile phones are putting apps on their phone to be able to restrict times that apps can be used, the frequency that they can use. So I think we're starting to realize this isn't just kind of some 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 crotchety old parents who are angry <laughs> with technology, but but it does need a limit on it. And I think the the, the front lines of that has to be the parents in order to to protect their kids from from some of these things that they, they don't realize the damage it's going to do. That makes sense. We're talking with Father Kyle Metzger here on Straight Talk. You know, I, I teach at college, as you know, Father. And so we had a rule in my class. I said, the phone, I said, it's a great tool, but don't let it rule. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that's great. But because we know we, we can look up many great things. A lot of parents use it for like, you know, looking up information on the internet, which can be great for, but then limit right. the social media and everything. Like you said, it's, it's the parents are there and they have to have limits of control. Yeah. That's wonderful. I appreciate that. I And also adding to the idea of the, uh, uh, the addictiveness or whatever, my wife and I, as you know, have a almost two-year-old foster child now. And uh, boy, when he starts looking a little video on her phone, he doesn't want to let it go. I know. You know, they just want more and more and more, you know? <laughs> it was a startling thing in the classroom that I witnessed. The kids could be absolutely wired. You know, after recess or whatnot, they mm-hmm. are just bonkers, right? The moment I put on a video, mm-hmm. it's like... <laughs> It's like a trance. Mm-hmm. There's something about that screen that just lures people mm-hmm. in. It can take the most wild class and subdue them. Now, there could be certain advantages to that, but boy, you got to be careful with that. And as you said, there really is an addictive addictive quality to that, that yeah, it's going to be easy just to give the kid an iPad on the road trip. And you know what? It probably will be a peaceful road trip. But is there a, is there, is there a consequence to that? Is there a cost to that? I, I, I think there is. And um, we're, we're, we're seeing kind of the, 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 the delayed um, social skills of kids, of, 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 of social interaction. You walk in into cafeterias, 
uh, during lunchtime and all the kids are on their phones and they're not talking yeah. to each other. It's, it's, it's kind of sad. It's kind of depressing. And so it, it, it does have that addictive quality and we, we have to kind of consciously work against that. Mm-hmm. We're talking with Father Kyle Metzger here on Straight Talk. Give us a call at 877-795-0122 at 877-795-0122. Interesting, Father. Just as you're talking about this, here's a question from a listener. It says, I have a family who wants to shield their children ages 4 to 7 mm-hmm. from the influences of the world so they don't go anywhere or interact with others. Are there benefits of this or are there dangers in being so isolated? I want to shield them from everything. Shield from everything. You know, that's going to have its own set of consequences. <laughs> yeah, talk a, about that a little. In a, in a, in a, in a different mm-hmm. area. But, I mean, we are. you were just reading from the catechism. We are social beings. Mm-hmm. God created us in community, a model of the Trinity. The Father loves the Son, which gives rise to the Holy Spirit. So we are social beings. And so they're, 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 they're a part of the formation of the human person is the formation in community. So uh, being able to help them you know, interact with people on a very healthy and, and holy level is important. So I think wanting to shield them from everything is, is not only is it just not going to be possible, but um, it, it would have its consequences of its own because eventually that child will enter the world, quote-unquote, um, and they want to, you need to have had that child build up the virtue in order to be able to do that well. So I, I think there's, there's a middle road between giving them everything and letting them, you know, drink in all of the world um, on one end, and then the other extreme is trying to protect them and insulate from the world. I think both of those are, are extreme positions, and neither of them are, 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 are the proper position. Uh, and so to, to help them navigate the world, and the world is good, right? The Lord <laughs> created the world. The world is good. Um, and so to help them to delight in the world in a very holy and very prudential way. Mm-hmm. Talking with Father Kyle Mesker. By the way, you're doing an awesome job, Father. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I, I guess. <laughs> Here on Straight Talk, you know, as, as you mentioned, give us a call again at 877-795-0122. That's 877-795. Seven nine five zero one two two, or message us on Facebook. We've already had a couple of people uh, message in with their question for Father. Uh, you know, you're talking about social beings, and I think that's so true. You know what, what's happening, and you know this. Uh, you talked about people sitting around and, and they're all on their phones. You know, we know that, and the, and the research shows this that the interpersonal, face to face communication is what we all desire and need, and people that are kind of addicted to their phones, they, they can sense inside, I need something more, I need something more, but they end up going just more and more social media, leaving them more empty and more empty. And so we want to encourage people to make sure you have that face-to-face interpersonal contact. Yeah. I remember when I, I first started up a, a, a Facebook account, I've since gotten rid of it, but when would that have been? Maybe 2007, 2008 or whatnot. We really saw uh, the social media is like the panacea. This is going to solve all of our like People are going to be so connected and we're going to be able to you know, reconnect with, with, with classmates from decades prior. And there are certain things that it, it, it did do that. I don't want to be one of those, those crotchety people who disparages technology. I'm not in that category. Trust me, I'm not. But there has to be limits. And I think one of the, 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 the limitations we're seeing with social media is it does give this, this impression of social connections, but it, it's, really a, it's, it's really a pseudo. It's, it's, 
it's somewhat of a counterfeit that it gives you the impression you have all these friends who you've got a lot of messaging going on back and forth but it really doesn't strike at the heart of the person mm-hmm. uh, it, as you mentioned kind of the face-to-face communication there's 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 the person out of the personhood doesn't come through in 26 characters and so you can have a lot of that communication going on but are you really present with another person and we're starting to see kind of the isolation the loneliness the depression that that people are missing that face-to-face communication. People don't go out for coffee anymore. Um, it, it, people don't ju- just quick grab breakfast, you know, on uh, or or quick lunch break. Like meet up with somebody else. We're we're music. Uh, we're losing some of those just basic human interactions. Um, and I, I see them in the schools, right, at, at the very youngest ages. And 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 I think. Um, uh, we, we need to consciously work against that to say, yes, it would be more efficient to do it this way, but I'm going to meet up with somebody else and we're going to kind of um, uh, do it do it in a more human way, yeah. actually. Be human beings, <laughs> not human doings, right? Exactly. <laughs> Just be exactly. talking with Father Kyle Metzger here on Straight Talk. Please give us a call at 877-795-0122, 877-795-0122, or Facebook message. Just a couple things still come to mind, Father, and this time we can move on. You talked about bullying earlier. You know, when bullying used to happen in the schools, maybe you'd get bullied in the school, but then it usually left. When you went home, well, now it's 24-7 because you get bullied all over the place. There's no escape. It is. And I think one of the things I think that is, is fueling it, too, is the interpersonal ability of it. Mm. That, like you said, back in the day, you had to face face the bully and the victim on the playground you had to look at them and you needed to and you were you had the the ability to see the pain that that inflicted mm-hmm. and then that affected you it caused say to say this went too far mm-hmm. okay with words or physical interaction you saw it but now when you, you can happen miles away on the, on the other side of town and it's and it's only characters and it's just a screen name you don't see the personal interaction and so you're more apt to say things you would never say in person, mm-hmm. and then you don't see the consequences of that, and so you don't you don't have that self reflection to say I went too far, that was too harsh, and so I, I I I'm I'm very suspicious that the interpersonal nature of social media is aggravating bullying mm-hmm. um, uh, to a level that 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 our parents and grandparents just didn't quite have to they they were still bullying then. But I, I do think it was it was different. It was sure, different. makes sense. Talking with Father Kyle Metzger here on Straight Talk. We're halfway through here at nine forty-five. Give us a call at eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. Or message us on Facebook. Last thing I have about this Facebook envy. Yeah, I've I've heard about that a lot because people like turn their accounts on and off because doggone it, everyone puts their best foot forward on know, social media, and we know inside oh, we don't have our lives together. Maybe talk about that and a little we, bit. And we want to Photoshop yeah. the imperfections <laughs> of our life, yeah. right? Like yeah. everybody's teeth are whiter and straighter than mine, and every hair is perfect, mm-hmm. right? I mean, some of that. I mean, it's just natural. Yeah, you're gonna put your best foot forward. I mean, I remember you know at weddings and whatnot. You know, my mother, we would we would go to the the the, the store and get the photos that were developed and 
yeah, you'd throw away the, the lousy shots. Mm-hmm. You do keep the good ones. So mm-hmm. part of that is just human nature. You want to put your best foot forward. But when it's public display, and that's the only presentation of the person that you have, right? Because mm-hmm. as we said earlier, we're not going out for coffee and we're not grabbing breakfast and whatnot. And so all we see is the social profile of the person. And of course, naturally, they put their best foot forward. We don't see the, the 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 totality of them. We don't see, and so we assume that that's all of them. But we know ourselves, and we've got our uncomfortable parts about ourselves. And so it's this this total misperception that every everybody's lives is are fun and beautiful, and mine is just kind of ordinary. And at times, it's pretty miserable. Well. <laughs> Their Facebook account is a lie. <laughs> Their profile is a total lie. Like it's it, it's it's one it's one sliver. It's one capture of their of their lives. And 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 it, and if we if we can't put that in perspective, man, that's really going to eat away at us in a very very unhealthy way. And that's one of the reasons why I closed my Facebook account. It was just absorbing me, and 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 it, and it was making me like not a better person it was making me unhappy and just absorb my time i thought you know what the 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 disadvantages are outweighing the benefits and and i just didn't want to do that and go ahead no that, that that's great i i love what you know so that just in a nutshell you know social media internet all these kind of things you know use it as a tool don't let it rule age it appropriate proper yeah, place yeah, it has exactly. its proper place wonderful that's great okay well, if you have some question or um, uh, comment, maybe about Facebook or social media, you know, um, Father Metzger would be happy to talk to you about that. As he said, he's not just, you know, totally against, he's not dissing it, but we see that there's a lot of people that are misusing it, you know, and, and actually becoming an addictive or, or what it is. It's, it's been harmful. As he said, he shut his Facebook account down because the benefits were not not as much as the, the, the hardships. Oh, wait, give us a call at 877-795-0122, 877-795-0122. Father, I'm just going to open it up to you, what, whatever you'd want to talk about until we get a listener uh, call in. What, what would you, what's on your mind? What well, would you like I to share with our listeners? one thing that's important today, um, uh, you know, in, in many parts of the listening area, we've got rural areas. You know, today is the, the memorial of St. Isidore. Mm-hmm. St. Isidore, who is the patron saint of, um, of farmers, um, uh, one thing I've heard, you know, I'm, I, I was ordained four years ago, so I don't have a lot of um, experience with ministry, but I've heard uh, um, veteran pastors talk about kind of the loss of, of, um, of rural ministry of like priests coming out to bless the fields, uh, you know, yeah, it's this yeah. time of year yeah. where it's springtime, planting season. And so um, talking about uh, the, 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 the intercession of the saints, particularly St. Isidore, patron saint of farmers, to bless the fields and to ask for an abundant harvest and whatnot. So it's his feast day today. Um, to, uh, it's what's oftentimes referred to as, as, um, as uh, popular piety, popular mm. piety, where there seems to be devotions that kind of organically, no pun intended, um, <laughs> I like that. rise up within, within the, the faithful people. Um, and this, this popular piety, this devotion of people in rural communities, uh, in rural life, uh, this great devotion to Saint Isidore to ask for an abundant harvest, the proper you know balance of rain and sunshine. Um, it's 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 kind of a beautiful time of the year and a very fitting uh, fitting memorial today. Wonderful. Well, that's great. Father. You're absolutely right. We just had Paul Heiberger on uh, before you talking about farming. It's great. Ah. We have a question. Uh, Danny is talking about Facebook. He says, 
uh, from Facebook says, what are the deacon procedures? So I guess he's interested. If, if a man is interested in, in possibly becoming a permanent deacon, what, what should he do? What, what's the procedure? Um, the, the diaconate formation is kind of unique in each diocese. You know, priestly formation is rather standard throughout the entire world, actually. The diaconate formation in each diocese is a, is, is a little bit tailored to each diocese. So I can kind of speak to, to the, the standard formation of what happens in the diocese that I'm with. But uh, for us, it's a five-year program. It's a five-year program. And the deacon goes through um, different classes and different formation opportunities in order to prepare for his ordination to be a deacon. It includes um, academic study, where you're going to study a decent amount of philosophy and theology. Uh, you might have a, a little bit of language in, in Latin, but usually not not nearly as much as you would in priestly formation. And then there's also, you know, spiritual direction. There's uh, retreats that um, that a deacon will go on. There's a little bit of um, instruction in music, because in the context of the liturgy, the deacons are going to be chanting and singing. Um, um, but uh, it's a five-year program, um, and oftentimes uh, for permanent diaconate formation, um, uh, the wife is also part of that because you know her husband is is going into ministry, and and that will you know logically naturally include you know demands on her own time and her own um, uh, uh, um, uh, marriage. So the the wife oftentimes is part of that formation as well, kind of supporting her husband and helping in that formation. So about five years, give or take a few years, and then at the end of that, um, he, is, uh, he is ordained a deacon. One other thing I can add to that, as part of that formation, kind of there's incremental steps. Um, one of those steps is where the, the, the man will be formally installed as a lector, lector, the person who publicly proclaims scripture in the context of the liturgy. So that's kind of a minor seminar that the bishop will bestow upon him, installing him as a lector. So then from then on, he um, usually is someone who is regularly reading uh, scripture at mass. And then after that, um, he's installed in what's called an acolyte. Um, this is someone who is formally kind of tasked with bringing communion to the sick and to the homebound, things like that. So again, another formal ceremony um, that uh, happens uh, with the bishop. So he's installed as a lector. And then naturally, uh, when, he's, uh, when he's at Mass, he's usually uh, one of the first on call to help the priest to help out with the distribution of, of Holy Communion in the context of the liturgy. Um, so there are kind of those small incremental steps, and obviously then it would, it would culminate in his ordination as a, as, a, as a permanent deacon. Okay. Danny, thank you for that question via Facebook. We're talking with Father Kyle Metzger here today on Straight Talk. We have time for probably one, maybe two more questions, so give us a call at 877-795-0122. That's 877-795-0122, or you can message us on Facebook. Uh, maybe we should mention, some of our listeners might not know this, the word deacon itself has a profound meaning, doesn't it? Absolutely. As a, as a, as a Shanley grad myself <laughs> in Fargo, North and Dakota. And look at Aaron's yeah, t-shirt. Yeah. Aaron's got his t-shirt on. He's, he's definitely a proud alumnus. Um, uh, the mascot for, for Shanley High School is the deacon. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, And so uh, we were reminded continually as Shanley <laughs> students that the word deacon is a Greek word, diakonai, um, which, uh, which means servant. Mm -hmm. So we had uh, uh, in the spring every day, it's probably coming up here 
quickly. We had what we call Deacon Day, mm -hmm. Deacon Day, and that's a day where all the kids, you know, go out from the school to do service projects, to go to different community organizations and 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 help out with them. And so we called it Deacon Day because the word deacon means servant, so it's a day of service. Mm -hmm. That's great. Again, we're talking with Father Kyle Metzger here. We have five minutes left on Straight Talk. If you give us a call quickly, you can get in eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two eight seven seven. 7950122 or messages on Facebook. Father, any um, maybe you want to talk about music a little, maybe something about the Easter season or the readings. Anything else on your mind here until we get another call or question? Well, the Easter season, I mean, that 50 days yeah, of celebration yeah. after 40 days of penance, right? <laughs> the, one of the things that I think, I mean, there's so many beautiful things about the Easter season, but one of the things I do love about the Easter season is, uh, is, is daily Mass, the first reading in daily mass is always read through the Acts of the Apostles. I just love the Easter season for that. Every day you're working through um, the Acts of the Apostles, which is are the earliest uh, years mm -hmm. of the life of the church. So you get, I mean, you really see the, 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 the power of the Holy Spirit in like these mass conversions. We're talking thousands of people are baptized in a day. You see the workings of the apostles. Um, we're at the point now, we're about halfway through the Acts of the Apostles. We're now, um, uh, P, uh, Paul kind of takes over, takes the spotlight. Previous to that, the first half of the Acts of the Apostles is St. Peter. And then now kind of uh, St. Paul comes and We're right in the midst where we see his conversion. I mean, this, this, this major numero uno persecutor of the early church has this incredible conversion and then becomes the number one promoter of the church, seeing him traveling around what at the time was the, the, the known world. And so I just, I just love daily mass um, uh, during the Easter season because that, that first reading is always just these major events that were happening continually in the early church. And um, I just think it's a very beautiful dynamic, uh, uh, dynamic readings in the church. So true. Talking with Father Kyle Metzger here. Give us a call eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two or message us on Facebook. And one of the things you hit the nail on the head there, Father, about the Acts of the Apostles. One of the things that always amazes me too, and it's good for us, right, just to see that even though post resurrection, post Pentecost, right, the Holy Spirit is with us here in the Acts of the Apostles. Because Acts chapter two is is the you know the coming of the Holy Spirit. They still have problems. It's, it's not. It's not <laughs> oh like their boy. life is. <laughs> Did they have problems ever? Oh my goodness! The, the, what what we oftentimes fail is these the earliest the, the apostles the earliest fathers of the church they had no nets they had no creed right mm -hmm. there was nothing to catch them like to say well you know the Trinity well it's the Father Son the Holy Spirit no that was a debated topic in the yeah. early church the three persons of the Trinity mm -hmm. who is Jesus Christ is he is he is he God is he human is he both like these were major questions so the things that we take for granted that seem so obvious were, were completely not obvious and that's what we see in these early years of the church is quite frankly these arguments okay <laughs> they were literally arguing at each other at times literally coming to blows <laughs> of trying to to make sense of of the scripture and i mean even the bible they they didn't have a table of contents they didn't have a nicely yeah. bound book they were just literally letters that were getting passed around and so trying to make sense of jesus and what he said over over centuries it was formulated into creeds and doctrines and dogmas but in those earlier churches it, it it seemed up for grabs and so yeah there were a lot of debates there were a lot of controversies in the early church we see many of those in the acts of the apostles in the earliest writings of paul 
You know, that's so true. And of course, what, what always is such a great comfort to me, Father, is even through all that, right, the Holy Spirit is leading. Even though we didn't have the Bible for 400 years, you know, even though we had all this, as you said, these dogmas were not hashed out that we take for granted today, the Holy Spirit is still moving. We have about 30 seconds, maybe just your closing comments. Jesus Christ meant it when he said, um, I will be with you until the end. Of, or Peter, you are a rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will never prevail against you. He meant that. <laughs> he meant that in a very real way. And so when things are rocking, we know the Lord will guide us. He is the head of our church, and he will never, never let us wander into error. Mm. Father Kyle Metzger, you have done an extraordinary job here this half hour. Thanks so much for being with us. It's a delight. It's always good to see you, Tim. All right, sounds good. Thanks. That's Father Kyle Metzger. Thanks for being with us for this 30-minute whirlwind on Straight Talk. Thanks for all of you who called in. Thanks for all of you who uh, messaged in as well. Up next, we have David and John Stockman. They'll share their creativity from homeschool learning, how they started a new project, and how they will preview an event coming up in the St. Paul area. And later in the show... Stay tuned to hear about the local events coming up in your area during the 10-minute tour. We'll be right back. You're listening to Real Presence Live.